guys, welcome back to Financial Flex with Lex. Let's change the way we talk about money. So I hope everyone is having an amazing Tuesday, at least better than what I'm having. Um, John and I yesterday got tested for COVID, so we are quarantined in our room for the next seven days, which definitely should be interesting. <laughs> so um, because of you know, all that's going on right now, there won't be a brand new episode, but instead it's going to be a rerun. Still a really good episode, and I feel like you will gain the motivation and inspiration that you need to go on with your 2021. So without further ado, here is my interview with Anina. You guys, I am so, so, so excited for today's episode. If you're someone who has ever dreamed about traveling and you have a passion for helping people, I mean, this episode is for you. Today's guest is Anina Monforte. Um, I know Anina through high school. We went to the same high school together. And in five years, Anina has traveled to over 40 countries. Mind you, she's just 25. Currently, she's a graduate student at NYU and works as a content creator and digital storyteller. As if she doesn't already have enough going on with travel, school, and work, Anina created a nonprofit organization, The World Within Us. Driven by her love for travel and huge heart for humanity, her organization is committed to improving the world through responsible and sustainable tourism. It is the first international travel company to design travel experiences that directly align with the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals. I was seriously so inspired by this conversation as we talked about getting over solo traveling fears, how you can afford to travel even if you're making minimum wage, and so much more. I really, really hope that you guys are inspired and get so much out of this conversation with Anina as well. Okay, enough of me ranting. Let's get on with today's episode. My name is Anina. Um, I'm originally from New York City, and I currently live in Edgewater, New Jersey. I'm a global traveler. I'm currently a grad student at NYU studying international development. I'm a founder um, of a nonprofit called The World Within Us, and I also currently work at SAP. Uh, working on partnerships and different um, affiliations and things with the United Nations. Wow. So you literally have so much going on. (laughs) Yes, such as a taste. Just a little bit. Okay, let's back up a few years. Obviously, like you're a really avid traveler now. Do you remember what your first travel destination was? Absolutely. It's funny because I feel like I have so many firsts within travel because I've done so many different types of travel. Mm. So my first time leaving the country was 2015. I was just like set on traveling to Paris. It was like my dream. I feel like most native New Yorkers, like you're like, if you leave the city, you want to go to Paris. It's like the one dream destination I feel like most people in the U.S. have too. So I, um, I enrolled in a study abroad program and I studied abroad at the American University of Paris um, for a summer. But I did that whole experience through, it was more on the academic side. So I had to take out student loans for that. So that wasn't my first experience really saving. My first experience really saving was post-college. I was, I just went on, I did the study abroad program in Paris. And then I studied abroad on semester at sea, which I can talk a little bit about later if you want. Oh yeah, please do. Um, Actually, go ahead. Like um, for those who don't know, (laughs) what is semester at sea? 
Um, so I got back from Paris. I wanted to go on another adventure. I wanted to study abroad, and I was, like, debating between what program to do, and I came across this program called Semester at Sea. And basically, it's, cra- it's a crazy concept, but literally life-changing. I studied abroad on a ship for five months, traveling across the world with 600 other students um, all throughout Europe, Africa, and South America. I acquired so many awesome friendships, like lifelong friendships that I was that people I would have never met otherwise. And now I have friends in India and Singapore and Peru and the list goes on. So I got back and <laughs> my mom was like, I told my mom, like, I'm gonna, I need to travel again. Like, I, I, need, I didn't get to see Asia. <laughs> she was looking at me like, Anina, you just got back and was traveling five months around the world. What do you mean? You just graduated. Like, like everyone's kind of looking at you after graduation to get a job, but I just, I didn't feel ready yet. I, I felt like I needed to explore Asia and see it the other side of the world. I was like, if I don't do it now, when will I do it? So I, oof, that was a crazy time. I took a, I took a job where I interned for last year, and I told them it was going to be on, like, a contract basis because I was going to be leaving in six months or six or seven months to go to Asia. And they were totally fine with it. They were super supportive. But I started realizing, like, three months in that there was no way I was going to have enough money saved up to do five months traveling, backpacking throughout Asia, Europe, and Africa. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, my mom is like, just cut the trip. And I was like, no, I literally won't do that because it's now or never situation. It was dire. I was not going to cut the trip. So <laughs> I started taking all of the overtime hours I could. And then on the evenings and weekends, I started Uber driving. Well, Lyft driving, I guess you would say. So I like registered with Lyft. I started Lyft driving. My grandma thought I was insane. She's always like lighting little Belisa candles for me, praying for me. She's like, women should not be driving Lyft at night. And I'm like, it's fine. I saved up all the money I could. I told all my friends, do not invite me out. I'm not coming. <laughs> because in New York, literally you'll buy a drink at $20, three drinks in, like $60. Then you got to pay for transportation because I live in New Jersey. Like, it was, I was just like, guys, I'm not, I'm not spending money. I'm not doing it. And everyone was super supportive. They didn't stop inviting me out. I didn't do any stopping. I was just so committed to traveling and doing this trip. So whew, I even was thinking about it. I'm like, wow, you know, we really did that. We really grinded for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's funny now because now I have a little more financial security because I, you know, I have a graduate internship and I'm, I'm working for like a corporation and it's, Things are a little bit smoother now, but thinking back then, I, I was making like what minimum wage, trying trying to save up months for this, and also pay my student loans while I was away. Mm. Ooh, that budget plan was crazy. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, because when you're when you're traveling for months at a time, like I do have student loans too, so I couldn't neglect them, right? Mm-hmm. But that means I literally had to save up double, and kind of the student loans was what, was what made me realize I needed to lift drive. Like it was not even like a question. I knew I was not gonna have enough money. Mm-hmm. so wow that was that was a time oh my gosh I'm like <laughs> getting hot just thinking about it all I'm like your life must have been just like I feel like just so so on the go right just so, so rushed oh my goodness but it was cool because I got to I got to meet up with my friends stay with her family in Egypt I traveled all throughout Nepal and Bali and all these places that you know require more time so sometimes it's hard when you have a full-time job to do these type of trips, especially going across the world to Asia. Like, mm-hmm. I knew that going in. That's why I was so committed. And I'm one of those people that if I have something set, like, in my mind, 
I don't care what I need to do. I'm going to do it. Right. Even if it's getting creative and having to lift drive, I will do that. Right. So how long did you end up staying in Asia for? I was in Asia for, well, I did Asia and then I went to Egypt. So I did Northern Africa and then I did Europe and then I came home. So it was like a four and a half month five month trip wow i feel like that's something most of us dream about doing like just being able to take four or five months and just traveling so the fact that like you were able to do that that's amazing and the fact that you were able to just kind of you were like i'm gonna you know make sacrifices i'm gonna grind it out and the fact that you were also um cognizant about your student loans because i know some people would have been like eh well Forget my loans. Like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go travel and I'll deal with it. I just, I just can't. I'm like too responsible of a human. I can't just like say like forget it. I wish I was like that, but I'm, I'm just not. <laughs> and, but I think, I think that's why that those transition years, like you know, when you graduate or when you leave your job or that time where like things kind of are like life moves so fast. But when you have that break, like really using that time is so important. I just feel like. Those post-college years, we're still trying to figure it out. You haven't landed your dream job yet. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really the time, if you're interested in traveling, to travel because you could do so many op- you could do so many things with it, and those are the stories you're going to bring into the, the interview rooms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I volunteered on a refugee camp, and I volunteered working with the Women's Economic Empowerment Organization in Nepal. And to be honest, once like people hear you travel, like, I went into interview rooms, and they want to hear more about that than like where I went to college and what internship I did. Right. Once they know that you have the skills, they want to get to know you as a person. So like, I definitely feel like I've enriched my life in so many ways by traveling oh, like that. I love it. You've done a lot of solo traveling and that's something that I think a lot of us are really afraid to do, especially outside of the country. Like you mentioned to someone like, oh, I'm going to go to Bali for a month by myself. And people are like, that's too dangerous. Yeah. Don't do it. Which is funny because Bali is like, so safe. I think I feel like people just don't know. So, what are some ways that you got over? Like, you know, why don't I have a feeling that you weren't very fearful of traveling by yourself? But, um, what are some <laughs> what are some ways no. other people can get over it? So, okay, like everyone, like the unknown is scary, right? Mm-hmm, right. But it's just like getting over the fear because after the fear, there's there's a sense of freedom, and now that's like what I crave. I. I do, and it's weird, it sounds so weird, but I do enjoy getting on an airplane and having no idea where I'm about to land, what it's going to look like, what the people are going to sound like. And when you're alone and you're a four nine blonde hair woman, sometimes when you drop into these places, it can be a little fearful, but it, it is really just really accepting where you are, being present and being really aware. But I, I mean, my first time traveling abroad, I studied abroad and I actually went with a roommate. So like that was my first experience going abroad. And I wouldn't recommend your first time traveling anywhere you go alone, right? But right. it's like you acquire, you acquire the skill, like the, the, the knowledge, right? Like what to do, what not to do. If you're in places that the native language isn't English, then like don't speak loud, don't speak at all if you're alone. Like those little, little, little things are like how to make sure your your possessions are safe so you don't get pickpocketed and not to be too flashy. It's like the most challenging place I traveled to um, was Egypt. And primarily because I just thought like, I got this. I've traveled all throughout Asia and Nepal and Myanmar. 
and I've been to Senegal, and I'm like, I got this, you know? But there are certain things that, you know, you can learn a lot about a place by reading bloggers and other people's experiences, but certain things you're not going to find, right? Right. So I was staying with my friend's family in Egypt, which helped a lot because the language barrier was tough. Um, but I really wanted to go to the market, and it's in Old Cairo, which is like the more traditional area. It's the historic part, but it's, it's not the wealthy part of Egypt, we'll say. Because okay. there is a huge class divide in Egypt. So I wanted to go to the market, and my friend had to work. So I was like, I got this. Her, her mom put me in, like, traditional attire. She wrapped my head in a hijab she, just so I can blend in more. And she kind of told me, like, what not to do. But she's like, listen, you're just be careful. And I'm like, I got this. I hopped in an Uber. I went to the market. And Alex, like, I didn't speak. I didn't smile. I started walking in the market. And all of a sudden, I look back, and there's, like, five men following me. And they're, like, getting so close to my face. Just in my ear, like, sweet flower, beautiful rose, all this stuff, right? And I'm, like, already, like, on guard now. So, like, my New York resting bitch face is on. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to say anything. And then... I, you know, I get to the end of the market and I just like instantly start sobbing, like just sobbing. I try to let it all out. And I get back to the house and I tell my friend the experience and she's like, I, yeah, that was probably going to happen. And I was like, wait, but like, I didn't speak. How wouldn't they have known I was Egyptian? Like, you know, cause there's some fair skinned Egyptians as well. And so at the end of my trip, I was like, you know, this is like two weeks later. So I spent three and a half weeks in Egypt. <laughs> the end of my trip, I was like, screw it. I'm going back to this market. They're going to follow me anyway. Like, I was just, like, over it, right? Cause right. It's, it's a big cultural difference between the U.S. and a place like Egypt, right? Like, mm -hmm. how women are just looked at, not even, like, degrading, but just, like, they're just looked at very differently. Mm -hmm. So I went, like, I'm going back to this market. There were so many beautiful things. I want to bring my mom something. Like, this is my energy. <laughs> so I go back, and my friend's like, all right, at least let me let my friend Ali go with you. Because he, he'll help you with bargaining. I'm like, all right, cool. Alex, I didn't wear any traditional attire. I had my hair down, T-shirt, and jeans. I was like, screw it. They're going to follow me anyway. At least I have, a, like, a guy with me. It'll be fine. Right. It'll be fine. But yeah. he, can, he can translate. No one said a word to me. No one followed me. No one said a word to me. Nothing. So it wasn't even that I was in... It's not even that they knew I was American or whatever. It was that I was a woman walking alone in the market. Because even Egyptian women don't walk alone in the market. Gotcha. Wow. But see, you, you were never going to read an article that would tell you that. Right. right? So, like, so now when, whenever I go back, like, I have that knowledge now that, you know, being a solo traveler in places, you have to just be a little extra careful or maybe book a guide that can just ease that experience. Because it's like, I wasn't in danger, but I felt so uncomfortable because you look back and there's men following you, you just don't know what could happen, right? Right. But there's so many safer ways now to do it. And I think that for me was a big wake up call that I was like, okay, I should have, you know, went to like a local, even went to like a local hostel and said, hey, is there a guide I can, I can rent for the next two hours while I'm walking in the market? Mm -hmm. one for bargaining purposes but just for like that level of safety because a place like bali and a place like egypt are totally different and your approach is going to be different so thanks for at the end of this whole story for 
normal female childhood it's really being aware but like also like doing the research but also understanding you're gonna have to figure it out along the way which if you're not willing and and aware enough to like let these moments happen then I think it's a more ease into that experience more. Mm -hmm. Speaking of just like figuring things out, I know a lot of people when they're wanting to travel, money is a big issue. And so I I know that a lot of people, well, maybe not a lot of people, but I know that some people do use credit cards to travel hack, which is like a popular way for people to travel without having to spend much of their own money. So I wanted to know, is this something that you've done before? Done before, And if so, um, what are some things people should be cautious about when travel hacking? Oh my God, my, my, my credit card is my everything. <laughs> I have the Capital One Venture card. Um, I got it back when I was going on semester at sea, mainly because I bank with Wells Fargo. Mm. And when I went abroad to Paris, I was like looking at my bank statements and I was like, wait a second. So you want to charge me a couple cents more every transaction? I'm like, mm. wait, I'm doing this wrong. And pulling out money would be an extra $10. I'm like, that adds up. If you're in a place for a long time, it definitely adds up. So I was like, okay, I need to change my way. I ended up doing all this research and I ended up getting the, the venture card. And it's helped me so much. Like I, any big ticket item that I'm gonna purchase, with like over $200, $300, I always put it on my credit card, always. Because those points really do add up. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I actually just booked a flight, uh, I just booked a flight to Portugal in August. And the flight was like $400, but, I, but because I had so many flight points, I'm only paying like half of that which is really, really, really nice for a round trip flight to like Europe, $200. Like that's amazing. Right. right. So I just save up all my flight points till it's like that one moment. And then I, I never paid in full cause I like to keep some for next time. Mm-hmm. So I'll like usually pay half the flight and I'll keep it that way. And another thing that I do, like another travel hack that I always do and I, everyone should do is now I feel like it's become like, it's not really about what website you use. Cause I feel like now all the websites kind of, the pricing is generally about the same because they're they're sourcing the flight price through, you know, if it's American Airlines, American Airlines websites. They're not pre-buying these flights. So what I would suggest everyone do, what I do, is either use Google Flights Tracker or the Hopper app. So I won't book any flight unless I put it through the Hopper app and then I track it. So it'll tell you, like, when is going to be the best time to book, if you should book now, when you should wait, like, if I like have an idea, I'll put it in and then I'll sit on it and see what happens because a lot of times these flights vary. The flight I was booking to Portugal, it was like $600 and then I waited and it dropped. And like the app will kind of give you that or the tracking will give you that sense of like, is this the best price? Should I wait? And that's something I definitely suggest. I know about Google Flights because of you because I think like a really long time ago, you had made like either an Instagram post or an IG story about using Google Flights. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that existed. It's great. Yeah, I've used it because of you. But um, so like how often do you check flights? Is this something that you do on the daily, weekly? Like how often? It depends. I just I only check the flights that I'm going to go on. Portugal flight I booked within the course of two weeks is checking like every other day to see the price range and gotcha. see how it goes. Gotcha. So so fairly often if you have a trip that you're wanting to yes. take. Never book the day, like, unless it's a crazy good price, never book the day that you think about booking the flight. 
So like, let's switch gears a little bit. And I know in the beginning you mentioned that you are a founder of a nonprofit called The World Within Us. So can you talk a little bit about the journey to creating The World Within Us? Absolutely. It's kind of crazy how it started. I actually, this whole idea stemmed from my graduation thesis, which is kind of strange. I'm currently in grad school, like I mentioned, and I have one more year to graduate. And I was you know, putting these ideas together on what I wanted to do for my thesis capstone project because, you know, it's super extensive. It's like 100 pages and it's, I'm thinking like, what can I be so interested about for like all of this year of research and all these pages? I'm like, geez. So I started putting together, aligning travel with the UN Global Goals. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know what the Global Goals are, basically back in 2015, the United Nations brought world world leaders together to agree on a framework that citizens, governments, private sector, everyone can commit to that will make our world better. And they gave it a a 15-year trajectory. So by 2030, we want to achieve climate action. We want to achieve gender equality, sustainable cities. And there's 17 goals. And anything you care about can be basically matched into these goals, like anything, any topic. So... It's really created for everyone to get involved. And I've learned a lot about the SDGs in my graduate program, at my job at SAP. And I was like, you know, the one space it's missing is tourism. I just don't Mm. see that intentionality or, like there's travel companies that say they support the global goals, but it's not built into their framework. So I was like sitting here just, you know, one day aligning my travel experiences with a global goal. So like, basically thinking about past nonprofits I've worked with and kind of putting it together on this paper. And then I was like, wait a second. I just did all this work and then I was like, so this is going to die on this academic paper unless I do something about it. A professor is going to read it, they're going to grade it, and then it's never going to go into fruition unless I act. So I reached out to different attorneys in New Jersey and I started the whole incorporation process, which was months long, tedious. So the world within us really got creative because I wanted to combine the SDGs with travel and I just decided that I'm going to incorporate this and I'm going to be like leading this movement because I just feel like with tourism, it's there's such an opportunity for development and there's such an opportunity to do it in a way that's intentional that will actually give back to local communities rather than harming them. I mean, you've seen how um, plastic pollution has like really done some devastating work to places in like Bali and other Philippines and other places. And that's, if if traveling is done intentionally, that would never be an issue. So I just wanted to, you know, remove that layer and seeing, see the world in a different way with local partners and everything I design is with female guides and locally owned businesses and I won't pick a hotel unless there's a sustainability report on the website like it's so intentionally designed and I just haven't seen anything like that and I'm kind of tired of seeing these companies that are like yeah we support sustainability yeah we support the global goals but I don't see the receipt Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there's no action actually happening and I just know that with my background with international development, I have the ability to actually know how to create sustainable and responsible travel in a way that, like, you're not seeing in this in this industry at all. You mentioned that, you know, creating that 
you know, it'd have been a lot easier for you to, you know, just create this as like a regular business, but you really wanted to create it as a nonprofit and like that whole, you mentioned lawyers and things like that. So um, what were some of like the out of pocket costs associated with creating the world within us? Oh, yes. First of all, those filing fees, <laughs> it is not cheap. Um, it definitely took me months to save up for it. So, like, I, I believe, the, like, the total cost um, to work with the attorney to get the, um, new, like, get New Jersey incorporated and then to, what's the word? Oh, get the 501c3 status, mm-hmm. which basically makes you eligible for tax write-offs and things. I think it cost it, it came out to $3,000 about. Okay. Just the filing and just the, the paperwork. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like having to build a website and getting freelance help and different things, setting up setting up the website was, was a cost. But I eventually had to teach myself because I was like, I can't keep paying for website <laughs> developers. So I ended up teaching myself. And the website you see is basically me. Cause I, it looks so good, by I the just, way. Thank you so much. I literally, over the Christmas break, was like, okay, you know, we are going to learn how to use Wix. And we're going to become a master in it because it needs to be beautiful. So, yeah. So basically, that's that's me. Yeah. But I've also like there's. I think when you create something as a founder and as an entrepreneur, you have to like understand. This is what I would wrestle with: is like you're not going to know how to do everything, but you want to. But you're not like there's no way you know how to do everything. So I've I've over the course of a couple months have had to get freelance help whether that's for graphic design or having to speak to like a financial advisor or different things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, and that, because I haven't, we haven't run the first cycle yet, all of that money has been coming out of my pocket. So this is how you know, like it's something I really believe in. So like the first year, I would say like this whole thing, this whole setup, not even to now, but like the setup would probably cost like $6,000. That's a that's a pretty penny, so, but you seem really passionate about it. That's a pretty penny. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty penny, but like it, it's crazy because I think this is why my my nonprofit, my my business entirely, you you don't see things like this because normally people in travel they're out to you know, make money off of it, luxury travel and all that and all yep. that jazz, a huge market, but for me, I really just want people to have these experiences and that's why I created payment plans. Um, for each trip because I want everyone to be able to travel regardless of how much money you make and what you can afford, right? Mm -hmm. So I've kind of created a payment plan for all the trips in a way that, like how I save up for my own travel. So putting like a deposit down and then saving up $200, $300 a month to take you through that time because all of my trips are planned at least a year in advance. So how can travelers get involved with your organization and join a trip? So right now we have five upcoming trips in 2021, which is next year. And we have five upcoming trips in 2021. We have Tanzania, Egypt, Nepal, Indonesia, and Brazil. And currently right now, all of the itineraries are up on our website, which is theworldwithinus.org. And there's a bunch of details there because I really wanted the travelers to get to know what the place is, what the itinerary looks like, what our local par- who's our local partner. And at the bottom of each page is a little form you can fill out to reserve your spot. And then from there, you receive the details to put down the deposit and things like that. Super simple. Each trip is, uh, varies a little bit, but there's basically 15 spots per trip, with the exception of Tanzania. That one's a smaller group trip, but a, an amazing experience, amazing experience. Um, 
And yeah, and if you're unable to travel in 2021, definitely stay tuned because we will be creating more trips. And they will be new ones for 2022 and some, some, some to stay. But if you aren't able to travel, there's different ways to get involved. We're going to be creating different volunteer days if you're located in New York City with local nonprofits there. And then also if you have a skill or a different way to contribute, like like I said, we're a small team. I'm kind of a one-woman show with a lot of awesome, awesome minds and great help. So if there's any skill you can contribute and you want to be a part of this movement, always feel free to reach out to me, send a DM. We're always open to anybody who thinks they can contribute or has an idea or a partner. Or even if you just want to suggest where we should travel next, we're always happy and welcoming and we want to hear all, all opinions and feedback. In five years, where do you see your organization? Ooh. In five years, I see this being a movement and me just a little pinpoint in the middle. I am building this because I really want this to be the new way of travel, responsible tourism, and really understanding what that means. Um, eventually, I, want, I don't want to lead all the trips. Eventually, I want there to be other group leaders to, to spread this message and to scale it, right? Mm-hmm. And also, I would love to have different opportunities for female guys across the world um, to have employment. Because the one thing I've noticed is when I'm traveling to places like India or Egypt, it's so hard to find female guides. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of confused because I'm like, I know there's women graduating from hospitality school and, and like, or even have a degree in history, right? Like, right. And I just sometimes, there's a disconnect there. So I just want to create more opportunities for the local communities that we're traveling to to thrive. So that that model might, like, new ideas will come that I, I want to achieve that. I want to make sure that travelers are getting the experience, but the local community is thriving from those experiences. How do you think people in other places view or think or handle their money? Like, is there such a big difference? Yes, definitely. 100% yes. I just think... Then this is a general statement, of course. But in the U.S., I just think we live in such a individualistic society where it's like, I need to buy this for me, and I don't care who it affects at all. I need to buy this because it's the best brand. This is the most expensive. It's flashy. Like people just want the clout. Like, and then you travel places and you realize you don't need any of that. Mm-hmm. This is not like a show. I feel like the U.S. is like people need to put on this like persona of they're this and I got to put it on the gram and you go places and people still have access to social media but it's it's still like not this like flashy game of things and you'll travel places and you'll realize their money goes typically into like fueling the community so you'll have places that you know their neighbor operates a local restaurant but then they handle I don't know the supply store or something else and everyone collaborates Mm -hmm. their money is just all put into collaboration that no one you'll never I feel like in the US it's just so polarized you'll see like you know people living people homeless and people living in the projects and like right down the street especially in places like New York City that become super gentrified you'll like go down the street and you'll see like a brand new premium condo mm-hmm. that just came up and sometimes I think about those things and I'm like do you not look across the street and think like if I put some money into this community if I put some if I invest in this kid's education if I do something I can uplift the person that's next to me yeah and I think like our spending dollars we see that right because you don't need the $300 
Gucci belt, no. right? Like, right. Think about what you can actually do with those things. So that's the one thing I've noticed primarily. Um, I do just have a couple more questions to ask. Um, the first, the first one would be um, if you could give any piece of advice in regards to traveling and money, what would you say? Ooh, traveling and money. Um, for travel, definitely if you utilize the time that you have and be creative. Like, like I said, if you're graduating, you know, and maybe you, your dream job isn't set up for you, which for most people it's not, right? So mm-hmm. c- really commit to things and write it down. Say, I'm going to work here for one year. This is the money I'm going to save up and go. You're the only thing that can stop you. Like never, like even if, you know, you're making minimum wage, you can make it happen. The timeline might be a little longer, but don't ever let money stop you from doing exactly what you want to do. Because that minimum wage, if you save right, will become a five-month trip. And I'm literally the example of that. I was getting paid, I don't even know, it wasn't even minimum wage in New York yet. I was getting paid like twelve fifty an hour, okay? And I made it happen. You have to be a little creative, but really utilizing that time, that break is so important. Mm-hmm. And also writing it down is like vital. Like I created a bucket list back in eighth grade when I was in East Stroudsburg in Lehman, I think it's Lehman. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like in homeroom, and I still know people to this day that remember this. I sat there and I was like, I'm going to write down 50 things I want to do before I die. And then that became 100, 200, now it's at like 500 something. But wow. I've already achieved like over 50% of it. Wow. Because I just stuck to that list. I just, I stuck to that list. This is like, this was back in like what, 2007, 2008? This is like over 10 years in the making. But there's so much power in writing things down. When you write it down, you're committed to it. There's no, you do it in pen. There's no erasing it. Mm-hmm. So that thing you always wanted to do, like, you can do it. You're the only thing that's ever going to stop you. It's all about sacrifice and prior- prioritizing your time, really. Right. Oh, so. wow. I'm empowered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so as we wrap up, um, can you tell the people where they can get in contact with you and the world within us? after the show literally anywhere but i'll be more specific <laughs> um so our website is theworldwithinus.org um scroll through there's also a little contact um area so if you want to submit any questions or anything like that um also instagram is a great tool i i run our personally our instagram so you can get in contact with me directly there that's um at theworldwithinus underscore and then if you want to reach out to me Instagram, the world within her, LinkedIn. Like I said, I can drop Alex all the links. So any way is your most comfortable, is my most comfortable. I love getting comments and messages from people, even if they're unable to travel on the trip, just to say like, you know, I'm really interested in this new way you're traveling or if you have a question about your own trips, like I'm always open and happy to do any connections or give any advice that I can. It's like the least I can do. People have been so incredible to me. I've been so blessed with the people that I've met uh, met over the course of my life that I'm like, any way I can give back, any way, any message, just shoot it over. Always happy to answer. Perfect. 